welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. I am JJ, and hey, Colton, your voice sounds really good, but I need to ask, where's this COVID uh, hitting you today? How, what's your mind like? Where, where's your, where's your headspace? Brother, it's a 50-50 crapshoot. We don't know where the day is <laughs> going to take us. We start the day good, and then as the hours roll on, we start to deplete, and my wife and I say, where's the covers? Where's the cold medicine? Oh, Give me man. some water. So <laughs> I'm feeling good now, man. I got some energy back, but yesterday started like this, and by 2 in the afternoon, we said, all right, let's <laughs> let's watch the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie and forget about our responsibilities. <laughs> uh, well, if you have, by the way, everybody, if you haven't seen those that the third movie and you're into the idea of seeing it, just just to let you know, uh, if if you are kind of beat up a little bit emotionally, mentally, don't see that one because you're going to be crying snot everywhere. No uh, kidding, it's, it's man. tough. <laughs> <laughs> the first the first uh, twenty seconds of the movie where they open up with like rockets, like flashback scene. I was like, I don't. I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I, I, we, we just recently watched, uh, which we watched it at your place, but we watched the Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish. And there's that competition scene between Puss and the other cat for the like the the biggest, like sad, sad cat eyes, you know, and, and there's the yeah. other character looking and going, oh, oh, you're so cute. You're so cute. You know, tugging at the heartstrings just by that simple look. That raccoon in the movie looks so real. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I can't take this. I still have another two hours in this theater oh my god oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes man how are you doing man how's your week going brother now uh, you know it's 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 great because uh i i would tell you uh one thing that i really um i just want to say that i'm grateful for in my own character uh is that uh, i had an opportunity to talk about the wins and the uh and the challenges from this last week and at the early part of the week uh, you and i we've had a conversation about how, um, you know, I had a yes day with, with kiddo and, uh, honestly, a lot of days feel like yes days because he's just, you know, his brain is, is bouncing <laughs> things around so much and he's interrupting me all the time. And I, I sometimes feel like I'm trapped in a prison of, you know, not having the luxury of being able to just express myself because he's generally trying to drive the, drive the moment, drive the conversation and stuff. And that's hard because, you know, sometimes you just want to have a little bit of, freedom of choice in in the moment. So I, I got down on that a little bit too much. Um, and I told myself, like, this is a tough time. Um, I'm I'm struggling. And then by I want to say, Monday early, or mid morning, that started to shift rapidly, because I was able to talk about it with, you know, uh, good men like yourself, and really identify my or remind myself of my core values in all of that. Like I am developing a long-term plan that is being implemented every single day with my kiddo. And sometimes you tell yourself one story in the moment that isn't indicative of, you know, the next, next couple hours or the next day or the next week, whatever it is, because you've created core values that are going to pull you through that and, and strengthen what it is that you are, you are telling yourself in that moment and shifting it to something positive in the future. So what does that look like exactly? Well, I had struggled with kiddo, but I also implemented this gamification system for him to identify his good habits, his positive behaviors, his, his uplifting others, his, his focus on external uh, relationships and uh, making an effort every day to earn points based on those 
decisions and behaviors. And, uh, and he's building up points every day based on this list of point opportunities, opportunities we have. And he's also coming up with thoughts about how he can gain more points. And right now, sure. Yeah. He's got a reward in mind, but the thing is, is I'm reminding myself, like we're creating habits here. This is starting to feel good. Not just because he's going to get something in the long run, but it's also resulting in happy, peaceful, safe, and kind moments between him and others. So it's been paying off a lot. But yesterday, it was like it was like one of those things, like the yesterday, where it was like constantly, let's just do what kiddo wants. Let's just listen to kiddo. I can't get a word in to him talking about, oh, I could do this to you know gain points. I could do this to get points. And I, I at one point, I paused in that and I chuckled to myself and I thought, he's interrupting me. He's interrupting me constantly here, but he's actually interrupting me about good things. I'm ch- I'm changing the game here, and it's it's beautiful to watch, and it is making a difference now, and that makes me excited for the future. And all of my core values, which I don't need to go into detail with all of them, were at play. Like one of them is quality time. Um, another thing is service. Um, and and I I I. I base my core values in relationship. And of course, being a single dad, my relationship with my son is of utmost importance. And to see him find a space of joy and happiness and and just safety and security throughout his days through that process where he's building that up for himself as we work through this together, it's really paying off. So um, the story I told myself at the beginning of the week was very much not in where I'm at now, which somebody asked last night, you know, on a scale from one to 10, you know, 10 being everything's great. I'm joyful. I'm happy. Where are you at? And I said, yeah, I'm at a 10. That doesn't mean things are perfect, but it does mean I'm recognizing the things based on my core values and the love I have for my kiddo. That 10 10 is where I'm at right now. No, I don't have all the money in the world to make, you know, buy all the things and stuff. And I would like to have that, (laughs) but that doesn't, that doesn't take away the 10. I'm not a perfect person. I want to just like point that out. Like a 10 is not the story I told myself is I've achieved everything that I desire. A 10 is I'm recognizing the things um, that I'm making an influence on and my son's making an influence on um, to, uh, to get to where I believe we're continuing to try to go. Anyways, that was a long answer to how you doing? <laughs> Can you tell me about... Yeah, no, go I'm getting excited hearing you talk, brother, because I literally was having this thought to myself yesterday uh, in my car. Just I was... I don't know why, but it just came up, you know, if is your relationship perfect? And I, and I thought in my head, yep, sure is. <laughs> and perf- perfection doesn't mean that we don't have problems and that it's not hard and that we don't struggle from time to time. Mm-hmm. But perfect to me means how we deal with those situations when they do come up and how we recover for them. And even the hard times, how we come out through the other side. So there's a lot of hardships and tri- tribulations and, and obstacles and, and things we have to navigate every day. But if you asked me, you know, how's your relationship on a one to 10, I'd say fucking perfect 10 brother, mm, you know, and yeah, it's that. again, that, that comes with a lot of work. And it's not like we just float by and we don't think about it or put any intention into it. And perfection just happens. You know, I think you have, if you're going to strive for perfect, your idea of perfect has to be imperfect, right? Mm. You have to have perfection in the flaws. You have to see the beauty and the opportunities for growth and, and the, the beautiful, happy accidents that happen in imperfection. 
So, you know, I've taken that mentality and I was literally just thinking this the other day, brother. So I'm so glad <laughs> you said that. Because like you said earlier too, it's, man, isn't it a slippery slope to fall into the rabbit hole of the story we tell ourselves? Mm. You know, you just go out and you seek that validation. You, 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 you Something hard comes up in life and you wake up and you go, oh, it's hard. I don't want to do it. And you keep thinking that to yourself, but you keep pushing through and you keep doing what you know you need to do to get through it because you, you're creative, you're smart, you have the answers, you know what you got to do to get through it. <laughs> but you just like start lagging because you start, oh, it's hard. I don't want to do it. Oh, I can't. Oh, it's too hard. You know, and then you start verbalizing that to your wife, to your coworkers, to your friends. Oh, it's so hard. And then they validate you. They give you that little dopamine hit, right? That little... <laughs> A little yeah. crack hit to your veins, a little heroin <laughs> dose. This like, oh yeah, that is hard. Oh yeah, just take it easy, brother. Just just check out for a little bit. It's so hard. You know, and the angel and the devil on our shoulders, man, that devil always has got a, a megaphone, you know, and he mm. his voice always seems to get so much louder <laughs> than the than that angel on the other side. So man, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And you know, it's perfect for what I want to talk about today is like what are these stories we tell ourselves, mm. you know, because uh, pretty soon the story that you tell yourself is the story that you're telling yourself and you can't get out of it. And, and finding a different path or a different way out of that storybook and into a new chapter, it seems just so much more difficult when we've built up all of this prerequisite negative thought of I can't and it's too hard and I won't, you know? So like, let's get into it, man. Let's like talk about how we can change the narrative and why we tell ourselves the story. Mm. I want to just kind of pause, not really pause, but really highlight something that I think you were saying in there that you didn't directly say that was was clear and evident to me is that somebody somebody with a an attachment to cynicism might look at the conversation we were just having and say and say wow that's that's some blind optimism and i think marrying ourselves to negative outcomes results in cynicism and a reinforcement of you know something's going bad and it that's that's what we're just waiting for is the next next bad thing to happen. I've got no control here. So, you know, this is just life. Um, you can attach yourself to that and you can find yourself upset at things that might otherwise be an opportunity for growth. And when you talk about, you know, your relationship being strong and a 10 and through imperfection, we get to where we get to, that's you speaking to your core values and your exercise with your, with your wife and with your kids. Um, it's not a blind optimism. It's an opportunity that you identify because um, it is it is so easy for us to say we're not getting what we want because nobody is getting exactly what they want. Um, but if you know, if if we continue to work hard at things and we're kind and loving through the process, amazing can be our general response to what comes our way. So. I guess with the story that we tell ourselves, I'll just say this much. I think the story we tell ourselves over the grand scheme of things, the grand period of time up until now for us, you know, the grand story is that it's a myth. And that myth, again, isn't blind optimism. It just means, hey, this is a this is a long drawn out story that does have twists and turns. 
And it's like the telephone game. At the end, it's going to sound a little bit different than maybe where it was in the middle. And uh, that's okay because rarely does the story I told myself about the same event 10 years ago sound the same today. And it could sound a lot different. Um, for example, uh, let's say, you know, in, in our adolescence, we, we start to kind of develop a history of ourselves and we, we see our past as like a meaningful story and we use it as a way to understand today and predict our future. We create stories to help understand who we are and we can modify those stories in an attempt to kind of define our current and future states. Um, for example, let's say I land my dream job, quote unquote dream job, and it's one that my, I and my family celebrate as a bright and hopeful light for today and our foreseeable future. But maybe over time, I find out the job is not only like challenging in ways I didn't anticipate, but it's also consuming more time than I envisioned. And so it starts to maybe strip away some of those other parts of my life that I want to maintain um, a, a healthy relationship with. Stresses at home become overwhelming and maybe marriage is suffering. I could possibly change that story about landing the job as one that resulted in my marriage falling apart. So a story is often not fixed within, um, but it can take on a decisive form, which then can lead us to making real life decisions based on that current and assumptive narrative. I, you know, I, I just, I think that's one thing that's really important to point out here is that a story can take its twists and turns and it can go bad and go one direction and we could really attach ourselves to that particular um, place we are and predict the future based on that negative or we can look at it as an opportunity to make a shift in life say the story is now defining us in this way and use it as a springboard to get to where we want to go um, so i don't know what can we do to create some great depth to our stories within and how do our experiences and connections help us with our internal narrative well brother i think you just really identified something crucial there, which was, you know, I think that our stories, they don't end, right? They take twists and turns and maybe one chapter ends and a new one begins. But we that's, that's the lie we tell ourselves is that all the, we get to a point or something that's too overwhelming in our story, you know, a, a twist, a turn, a plot twist, you know, something comes at unexpected. And all of a sudden we think, well, this is the story. The story's over. This is my story now. This is the whole thing, the whole picture. Everything is told now, and this is how I have to live. There's no more growing. The character stops growing here because the story's over, you know? And that's the miss, is that we tell ourselves that instead of realizing, like, nope, this is a great opportunity for the character to grow. This is a great opportunity for him to set off on a new adventure or start a new chapter, you know, but we just get so locked into the negativity of those unexpected moments that we just think, oh, well, this is what I'm telling myself. This is reality now, <laughs> you know, and I think where really great opportunity and growth comes is from how we can pivot and say like, oh, great, what's next for my character? How is this mm. going to affect him and grow him and change him? Mm. I mean, you know what? We have a word protagonist, right? A protagonist is a very strong word that uh, that uh, represents the story we tell ourselves, our narrative identity within. But what about, you know, what about a personal meditative retreat can change or further enhance our story within? Uh, I would imagine that a combination of deep connection with others and the time and space to reflect on our own results in a more well-formed identity, right? So 
So that protagonist, he looks great and all, or she looks great and all in, in our, in our head sometimes as, as the driver of our story, but social connections and introspection combined really do shape our stories. Where might I be if I decide for myself alone, the identity within when I know I am not alone, how much more powerful is my story when I welcome the stories from others? Yeah. Yeah. I think we need that support, that collaboration, right? You need, uh, you need, you need, uh, you know, in, um, in, uh, Joseph Campbell's heroes of a thousand faces, you know, and since we're going off on literary references here, talking about the story we tell ourselves air quotations, you know, Joseph Campbell writes a lot about archetypes and, and story structure and stuff like that. And, you know, in the hero's journey, just before the protagonist goes off from the regular world onto the call to adventure, what happens before that the mentor comes in right? The mentor comes in and tells him about the gift he must receive to slay the monster or the piece of knowledge he must go after to save his village. You know, it's, there's always someone that comes in there to give him a little bit of a piece of, uh, you know, this is where this, this is where your story may take you, mm. you know, and, and that guy can either run from that or he can meet that head on, or he can, you know, fall into it, uh, you know, unintentionally, you know, but I think that like, we have to, I don't think that we have to listen to the mentor, you know, but I think that we should heed the mentor's advice. And I think that we should all have a mentor, whether it be a therapist, a partner, somebody that we can collaborate our stories and experiences with and share that and create a new story from those shared experiences rather than trying to handle it like a lone wolf or be the student to the mentor without any sort of critical thinking, you know, it's a fine line, brother. Mm, yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking about this until you said all that, but you know, we, you know, Hollywood film um, makes millions of dollars doing the same story over and over again in a new and exciting way, hopefully. But you know, that's the thing, like the guy who, uh, you know, has a criminal history and he's making bad decisions and he, he quickly gets in a car to steal it. And then he's down, three miles down the road and there's the babies in the back seat, you know, and oh my gosh, this, this moment has forever just changed my story. What am I going to do? How do I take what I've done? And what is this, what is this, you know, we won't call the baby the bomb, but <laughs> this grenade thrown in the room that's completely changing my direction and my, my decisions now and possibly for the future. Like what, what am I doing? What am I telling myself that I need to do different based on what I've, what I have now in front of me. Um, you know, one thing that I, that I wrote a note on is, you know, we've all experienced that aha moment many times. Something's happening to audio. Roll sound. Rolling. Sound production. Take two. Action. I mean, you know, we've, we've all, we've all had like those aha moments, right? Many times. And that often is a result of the story we tell ourselves, like pairing up and complementing with additional information we receive rather than simply conjure up. Or the aha moments happen because we or the, our stories are challenged by another narrative. Uh, that's, that's powerful stuff. And honestly, to be blunt, I'm just going to be blunt here. When we reject tribalism or confirmation bias, you know, basically sitting in camp and keeping camp and anybody who suggests something other than the story we're telling ourselves – uh, um, you know, we, we suggest that as a threat, like that's, that's keeping us locked and it doesn't give us growth. So when we reject that, uh, we find that our, the stories we tell ourselves can be challenged in very productive and powerful ways. 
for example, let's say my state is, or my relationship is in a state of tumult and I've been telling myself or have been told that I have every reason to maintain my position and feelings, you know, like say the, the episode we talked with grace about, you know, our proofs are our proofs and those person's proofs are clearly wrong. Well, when we do that, the narrative within is struggling for an opportunity to grow and be modified. Right. Uh, but if I allow for my story to evolve through curiosity, I'm opening up the opportunity for resolve and deeper connection. My identity story isn't being stripped away, honestly, but rather breaking new ground or at least enriching that soil, whether that relationship be moving into a new phase of conflict or peace. It furthers the story. It can solidify the narrative as well as move it in the direction of understanding external influence. That's a powerful exercise in you know, furthering our narrative identity. It's not, I don't think for the most part, people come at us because they want to suggest to us that our narrative identity is BS. I think they're suggesting, hey, I have an enhance, an enhancements to, to provide you because I see it in a little different way. What do you think? If somebody is coming to me with not a threatening gesture, but rather say, hey, I, I would love to be considered in this story or in this particular subject, what do you think about this? Man, does that make our identity stronger and possibly stronger through change? You said a really interesting piece about the whole, you know, in Hollywood, we keep making the same stories over and over and over again, right? <laughs> and that's what Joseph Campbell talks about in Hero of a Thousand Faces and Hero's Journey. You know, it's just the same story over and over and over again. Why do we do that, JJ? I think it's human nature. It's comfortable, man. We know how the story ends. We know what the story is. We want to operate in the confines of that because it's safe, right? It's familiar. We know what that's like, you know? And I think it's just human nature to want to repeat history because, well, we, at least we've been shown it. At least even if it, we know it ends badly, at least we've been shown what it looks like. You know, the fear of the unknown can be pretty powerful man it can be a pretty fear inducing thing you know if you if you if you don't feel ready or confident enough or strong enough to to handle what you don't know is coming at you right so we often adhere to these stories that we tell ourselves these pre-programmed behaviors of subconscious because it's safer it's easier it's more comfortable than trying something new than feeling uncomfortable than venturing into the unknown it sounds to me, yeah, like you're talking about the redemptive story, right? Um, people love the underdog story. And we go through that every day. It's not necessarily because, you know, we we're dealing with true, uh, you know, uh, serious threat every day. But let's just say you sit down to, uh, you know, game night with family and uh, and, you know, you're not probably going into the game. Maybe if you're playing tic-tac-toe, you have a strategy that lasts like for a five-second game and it never changes. But, you know, chances are you're playing that game a little different because you learned and you're growing and you're trying to overcome something. You're, you, you know, you're trying, to, you're trying to come out on top. You're trying to win. So we do that even in small moments every day. But that redemptive story, you know, is a huge one. It's, it's an often a result of over, overcoming adversity or even suffering. Um, so that's another part of our narrative identity is we could take that um, or we could say, like, let's let's call it um, maybe you're in the middle of the challenge and you had a story in your head about, well, I went back. Let's go back to that moment of uh, what I was saying earlier about I've got the dream job 
and this is my this is my identity this is my truth this is my story it's perfect everything's going everything's going great and then something happens and it starts to get let's use the word contaminated my story is now contaminated what's the outcome going to look like do i want to operate out of cynicism and feel like i don't have much control and if that's the case and i stay in that mindset and that's that's the story i'm telling myself there is a greater association um, with those stories to negative outcomes, right? But if we have strong connections attached to our stories, perhaps we find hope. We're working through this together. We're bringing ourselves to maybe redemption in this story or overcoming adversity and suffering through our core values to get us to where we are. Then we look back at it and we say, wow, our core values, our strength, our, our, our joy as a family has gotten us through this suffering. We, as a, as a as a unit, as a as a powerful force in this world, um, can go through the process of redemption through the challenging times. We are empowering ourselves and are most likely in a better state of emotional well-being when we take charge and say, you know, maybe we don't have full control, but we take charge and we own up to our core values in it, and we and we power through as an empowering thing thing rather than attaching ourselves to the negative outcomes. And then we see the story we tell ourselves is that we are people who can endure. We are people who, who can uh, strengthen the family and our bonds through this. Um, so that story can look totally different from one person to the next, depending on how you try and attach yourself to it. Yeah. And I think that like to your point earlier, it's that's why it's important to really kind of put the tribe perspective into this and not try to lone wolf this alone because you know your story that you're telling yourself may be different than what somebody else sees your story playing out as you know and again we, it's so easy to get locked into the story that we're telling ourselves because it's so safe and comfortable and 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 doesn't feel as challenging and then when somebody comes and gives us our opinion hey i've noticed you behaving like this, I notice you're maybe feeling like this or behaving like this or whatever it may be, we oftentimes get defensive. We hesitate with that critique, right? We push back and say, no, but I, we want to defend ourselves and our position of why we, why we're walking this path and, and living this story, you know, and, and rightly so. Again, I think it's human nature for us to want to do that, but I think that there's such a great opportunity to see how different choose your own ending paths of how the story could be when we can open up and say, God, I didn't even see that. You noticed that about me? Shit. I, that's a blind spot. I didn't even realize that. And brother, I, I fell victim to this a long time. You know, I, uh, my, you know, you, you guys have heard me talk about my dad on the show a few times and, you know, the, the more that I talk to talk about him on the show, JJ, we stop hitting record. And then I go, was I too hard on my dad? You know, <laughs> was I, maybe I didn't, maybe I should have reworded that different or, you know, and uh, th this comes like full force to me, brother, uh, um, you know, having a honeymoon here and family celebrations with love with my wife and, and doing uh, vows and vows and stuff, vows, vows, V-O-W-S. I, I hope that is the correct spelling too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so just having my dad here, <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't seen my dad since Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, we're in August now, so it's, it's been, it's been almost, you know, 10 months and, uh, my dad came out and got out of the car and man, he was looking old. 
you know, he's frail, man. He's he's got a walking his cane and he's lost all this weight and his, you can see his bones through his skin. He's got that translucent, you know, geriatric skin nowadays. He just and it hit me, man, like a wave, like, whoa, like dad's getting old, you know? It was like just the the mortality and f- finiteness of life just like whoosh, washed over me. And I almost just went into tears at the sight of him because he's just so white and and old, you know, and wow, it's humbling, you know? So I've just been thinking a lot about my dad and, you know, in our memories and stuff and all these things that I want to say to him, you know, like I, 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 it's kind of scary to have that thought of like, I gotta get, I gotta say it, but I gotta say it, you know, like it's just, it was right there in front of me. Like, you know, the, the time that we have left and the reminder of that. So I was really trying to be very intentional about some of the conversations that I had with him uh, when he was here visiting with us for those five days. And those conversations have always made me really nervous, JJ, you know, because the story that I was telling myself my whole life was that, you know, I I can't have those conversations with my dad in the past and those experiences whenever I would try to have some in-depth conversations about maybe his life or things that he could do different, wanted to do different mistakes that he made, or just wanting to share some maybe deeper intimate parts about his life. He would always kind of seem to get self-defensive and clamp up and, you know, voices would get raised and then it would be awkward for a month or two until we swept it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen, you know? So, you know, I've always been trying to pull these conversations out, but you know, it's, been difficult bridging that generational gap between us and and how we communicate but i still don't stop trying jj you know whether it's me uh you know trying to make progress or i'm just being pig-headed you know um and not letting it go but i you know got into some great conversations about what my dad and mom's relationship looked like uh during their divorce and what my stepmom and dad's relationship looked like and some harder times and and how my stepmom um you know viewed uh my relationship with her and what things that maybe she would have liked to work on or had back or work on from now and she really opened up and my dad opened up about things that they have never before and it was really mm, wow. cool to see that. And I left, they they left and it left me with this feeling of, wow, like I, so many things that I wasn't aware of, so many things happened to them in their childhoods that make so much sense in how they behaved in my childhood that I had no awareness of, no just responsibility in, in trying to get to know. You know, I just held this onto the story as a kid of I'm not getting what I want or what I need. or I'm not being supported in the way that would help me grow, you know, and I'm realizing the older that I get, JJ, and the, the further I go down this parenting path that my dad really was intentional about a lot of those things, you know, and he really did put in work to have conversations around topics that I just maybe my my hearing just didn't develop in a way that I could understand those words it just sounded like Charlie Brown just wop 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 and now like I grew to 30 and all of a sudden I can hear frequencies that I wasn't able to and all of a sudden that wop 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 is actually into words and I'm like oh you've been saying words this whole time my god 
maybe if I took the wax out of my ears, I could have understood it. But, you know, we get so caught up in the stories that I'm, it's just not fair. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't get it. Where I, you know, the story I really wish that I would have been telling myself more is, what's he trying to say? Well, let's ask about that. Let's listen a little bit more. He's trying to say something and he thinks it's important. Maybe I should think it's important too, you know, but I just, those years are gone. I can't get them back, JJ. All I can do is try to move forward with a different, different story in my head, in my mind, you know, but I just, I wish that, uh, that we could have had those conversations more or that I would have been more open to it. Maybe it wasn't my dad in the words that he was using. Maybe it was me and how I was actively listening in what I was, or maybe it was both, you know, let's, let's both take responsibility here. Chances you know, are it was both. <laughs> but sometimes that, that may be the way of life. That may be the rules yeah. of the story. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that mm. we can't find another, another, another mentor to help us listen or another tool to help us slay that, that monster. It's up to us as the protagonist of the story to find the sword that's going to do the job, right? We yeah. have to be the ones that go out and find the mentor, find the armor, find the sword, slay the dragon. You know, mm. no one's just going to give it to you, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. It's help me, me. You're my main source of <laughs> yeah. hope. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm sure you'll, you'll have no problem being able to at least, uh, you know, uh, be open to answering it. But having gone through that very recently and having the fear built up over the years of the story within, how do you suggest to somebody who says, hey, you know, I mean, that's good and all. I'm glad that worked for you, but I know, air quotes, I know my parent. And bringing this up to them is just going to result in the same thing I've always received. There's, there's no changing this person. I am not going to all of a sudden break new ground with somebody who's 70 years old or however old they are. This no. is, this is our relationship. I've accepted that pause. yet. You JJ froze up on me again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah I, okay. <laughs> I've seen your, I've seen your picture pixelate and I've been trying to determine whose internet connection is causing the challenge, but we're here. We're here. Um, but I guess the thing is, it's like, there is truth to the story within ourselves that we've been telling ourselves, of course, but does that mean that that is the sole truth to our future? No, our story changes. So how do you challenge somebody to make that change, to challenge themselves, to, to make that connection? Well, JJ, I think you got to stop trying to write somebody else's story for them. You're a protagonist in your story, and you're only responsible for writing your own pages. You know, you can't make the mentor do something for you. You got to, you know, and, and us as the ones that are uh, reading these books, talking to these guests, thinking about this stuff on a week to week and trying to be really intentional about fatherhood and, and integrity on a daily basis. I think that we are the ones that have to be responsible for that, JJ. We can't give it to our parents and expect, well, they just always say the same thing. They always react this way. Well, then stop asking the same damn question. You know, like think of a different question to ask or a different way to ask it. Yeah. Or why do you need to even ask the question? Maybe stop asking them the question and start asking yourself the question. 
of why you need that question answered or why you need that story told through them or or what it is that you're missing from that relationship that you keep coming back to this thing and trying to pull something that that maybe is right. uncomfortable or triggering to them you know what is it that, mm -hmm. that you feel that you're not you're not getting and what are the questions that you can ask yourself to give yourself mm -hmm. that rather than expecting somebody else to give it to you yeah. you know and you that's know. not that's not hard brother and i hope you're not yeah. going to ask me how to do that next because i don't tell i can't tell you me and my therapists are still trying to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do have some thoughts on that and, and yeah, and I really appreciate that. And I just want to say like, you know, to, to, to anybody, including myself, like I could have this thought when I'm challenged in that way. Like, I just, I don't want to be hurt again. It, it, it's just too painful. That That's too hard. I, I don't want to go there. And that's the fear. That's the story that we're, we're believing in. And I understand that. I don't want to say, well, you know, suck it up. And get through it. If you want this to change, you got to change it because sometimes it's just not the right time because you are in a state of fear and you don't want to live in that fear, but you also are afraid of the real possibility of the truth you've experienced in the past. So you have to start to do what you said, the mental um, exercises to, to maybe get through that. So when you are in a state of fear and granted, I am, I am no genius in this area. And it will be harder than what I just state right now. But uh, there's a there's a beautiful book by John Acuff called Soundtracks. And I've asked myself these questions when I am kind of in that state of confusion where I let fear take over and I don't try and understand myself in it is um, and, I, you know, I might get the questions out of order. That's OK. But let's say I'm telling myself something. Well, is that true? Is what I'm telling myself actually true? Do I believe it? Am I actually believing that? Is it true? Okay, maybe it's not. Well, do I still believe it? That's just an important question to ask yeah. yourself because yeah, then you're starting to We, we get... do ask ourselves questions that we don't believe all the time or we tell ourselves answers that we don't believe all the time. Right. You know, for just some reason, we just go, okay, yeah, I don't believe that, but I'm going with it. <laughs> and a big one, a big one for me in that, in that um, series of questions is, is it kind? Like that's really important because too often we are just destroying ourselves by just, you know, believing the fear and hurting ourselves further when we don't even really know what the outcome could be. So, you know, asking yourself, is it kind is incredibly important to the process of, of moving forward. Um, you know, you said too, that you don't like to tell people, you know, suck it up buttercup. And, 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 and that's, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's definitely something that, you know, the, the leadership methodology that uh, I think that uh, the, the generations before us, my, AKA my parents definitely had, you know, it was a suck it up buttercup kind of, you know, just do it, you know, and it feels so like apathetic, right? Like, oh, uh, you don't care. Yeah. Any, don't you understand about how hard it is and how difficult it is for me to <laughs> do? I just want to be validated. And I, you know, I think that, 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 can be an important part of the process. I really do. Like we all need that validation, that that connection, humility, that understanding, right? But you know, I will also challenge us with that by saying mm. that I do think that ninety percent of it is the mindset shift of just suck it up, Buttercup. Mm. Just do it, man. You know, because again, we've wasted 90% of the time saying it's so hard. I can't, I just, buttercup is just too sweet and I can't suck it up. You know, like it's <laughs> right. just too hard for this buttercup to do it, you know, but I, 
once you really believe and fall into the mindset of, no, I can, and it's fucking easy, you know, mm. that's when you can start accomplishing stuff. Yeah. You're just, and you know, you're weighing yourself down with that rucksack of, I can't do it, you know? And the, yeah. as soon as you just take that off and you can eliminate, not it's easy and you just do it, you hop into it before you, you spiral down the rabbit hole of, of unconfidence and I can't and I'm too tired and I don't want to get that workout in. It's too cold or whatever, whatever. That's when you, you, you know, you start, you start harboring that self resentment, that negativity, that self hatred, you know, and you start closing yourself off to the, to the outside perspectives of all the stories going on around you, because, you know, I don't even want to hear your opinion. Cause I just, I know I, I, I'm so mad at myself right now because I didn't do the workout or the thing that I said that I'm going to, though, this is my story. I, I don't even want to hear your opinion. Cause I already know, you know, so I don't know, you know, though, I don't want to ever take an apathetic approach. I definitely wouldn't with my <laughs> wife. I would never say suck it up buttercup to my wife. <laughs> Let's unpack that right now. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think at times uh, we can reword it into a different way of, you know, listen, it's not as hard as you're making it to be. How can we give you confidence to to believe that you can do this? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that that that, that kind of uh, that kind of helps a lot. In you know, I mean, I, I mentioned John Acuff soundtracks. You could also talk about Bernard Meltzer. Uh, he had a, a call-in radio show where he talked about the same questions. Socrates said, you know, is it true? Is it kind? Is it is it necessary? Um, which is kind of what you were talking about. Is this a necessary thing? And then also another big part of that is is it helpful? And then when you think about that from again the person who's like, I I can't I can't jump off this. I'm going to fall. I'm going to land on my face. I'm, I'm, it's going to crush me. Uh, you know, ask yourself these questions. Are all these things helpful? Um, it, are all, all these things, are these beliefs helpful or is this, is this kind to yourself, you know, and when you get in that state of deciding, you know, what, nope, the fear is where I need to stay. You know, is that helpful for you? Is that where, is that where growth is happening? Just like you were saying, I think that's a big one is that, you know, people get stuck in the fear because it's not necessarily helpful and it's certainly not kind to themselves, but I'm just so afraid of the next thing because the story I've been telling myself up until this point is I need to be safe and secure. Um, I'm not necessarily believing that's what this is, but I haven't asked myself those questions. And then you are giving that challenge as you did. I really appreciate that. Well, I got a story for you, brother, if you got a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, again, I was telling you I was having these conversations with my dad and and stuff like that. And um, maybe I've told the story on this podcast, but, uh, you know, a couple of years ago in in some of our dad groups, it was right when I had walked away from a career in Hollywood. Right. And uh, I decided it was COVID times, you know, uh, the kids needed me home, you know, and I was hearing a lot of talk from work of like, you know, screw your families and you're going to be working this and that and you're going to be 90 hours and we're going to be going here and that. And, you know, I just oh the I want to be with the family. So I I, I took the the, I made the choice to step away from that. And uh, my dad, my dad's pride has always seemed to be in me and my my career success. My financial, you know, literacy 
and able to provide for myself as a man. That's what he views as successful. A man, a leader is you make money, you work hard. You know, it's just those two things. There's no other criteria for success in this world other than make money and work hard. You know, so when I um, told him that I walked away from a career in Hollywood, you know, I could sense some apprehension there. You know, and it was just eating up in me. I was telling this story to myself. My dad's not proud of me. He's, oh, God, he thinks I'm a loser. You know, like he doesn't agree with this. Uh, you know, and I just beat myself up with that story for months, man. You know, until one of my mentors said, you know, just call your dad and ask him. Talk to him about this. Tell him how you're feeling. And I said, <laughs> So I can't do that, you know, <laughs> fear, stories, you know, but I, I got the courage after a couple of weeks and I called my dad and immediately broke down into tears, right? All of the story that I've been telling myself for 34 years just bubbled up and it just, you know, came, oh, dad, are you proud of me? I don't know. You don't say it. And uh, I, I'm just so sad because I don't know, you know, <laughs> and my dad said, son, of course I'm proud of you. I love you, you know, and I said, I just need you to say it every now and then, you know, you know how many times my dad said it in that time, JJ, two years ago, not once brother, you know, I, I can, I can tell him, these are the words that I want you to say to me, but for some reason, it's just ain't registering. He doesn't hear it. He can't put the sentence together. Right. But I'm still going, telling myself, oh, he's not proud of me. See, he can't say it. I just told him what I needed to hear, and he's not telling me, man. You know why? And uh, over this last year, last Father's Day, um, I saw a man that was also struggling with his the relationship with his father. And we made a pact to, we're just going to write I'm proud of you letters to our dad for Father's Day. You know, and uh, instead of asking all these things that we need from him, maybe we're just going to give our dads what we want to get from them and we're just going to give it to them, you know, and, and see how that practice goes. Rather than asking for it or verbalizing it, we just we act on it. We live it. We exemplify it. And maybe it maybe it'll reflect back. Right. Just like we do with our kids. Now that our parents are in their 70s, maybe we got to treat them a little bit like kiddos again. We got to lead by example, you know? So I, I take this approach and, you know, didn't ever hear back, I'm proud of you for my dad, but I, I that was okay. I, I really felt at peace with it, JJ. I felt like, oh, okay, like, you know what? Maybe the story that I'm telling myself now and, and how this affects me, I'm starting to change a little bit and I'm starting to be okay with it. I'm not, again, asking him to write my story. I'm writing it. You know, I'm I'm writing about what his character does for for my character and my story. And uh, when he was here and we were talking, and you know, some of the conversations I had, I said, uh, you know, was there anything in in your childhood that you felt like maybe you didn't get from your parents, or that you wish you had more of, or that you maybe resented them for, you know, or a little bit? And my dad surprisingly said, no, it was great. You know, and I said, huh, you know, because. I've asked that question in the past and, and my dad has said, you know, my dad never said, I love you. You know, he was just not good with saying, I love you. And, uh, I said, well, how did you get over that? Or what, how did that, you know, how did that heal itself? And my dad said, well, I just started, I just made the choice that I was just going to tell grandpa, I love him every day. Even if he didn't say it back, even, you know, if I never got it, I just told myself, I'm going to say it to him every day. 
And it took a couple of years, but eventually he started saying it back. And he said, you know, and before he died, he was saying it every day to me. And I thought, holy shit, JJ, my God, here I am, been telling myself the story my whole life about how my dad isn't capable or able to show up or have these conversations or reveal this information. And he doesn't want to get into these emotional, you know, conversations. And here he is applying the same methodology that I am 30 years later. He didn't read a hundred different self-help books or dad or parenting books. He just did it, you know, and it just took him until his fifties to figure that out. But he, once he did, he said, you know what? I'm going to stop feeling like this. I'm going to stop telling myself this sad story that my dad doesn't love me. And I'm just going to love him. And through that exemplification, you know, my dad got exactly what he wanted using the exact same methods that I'm doing here, trying to teach other guys and it's that simple, JJ. It's just that simple of telling yourself a different story, man. And it was just this beautiful realization for me of what a good man my dad is, you know, and though we have our problems and, and our issues in communication, like it's there if I open myself up to it. That's beautiful, brother. Because you're, yeah, you're right. Generational cycles are a real thing, and and uh, and it's funny because some of the some of the things we don't speak about that uh, can make a world of difference are part of that generational cycle. So you two were telling telling each other, telling yourselves a certain story about the relationship and what this is most likely, which you wish it was something different, and it just took a little bit of courage to push that further and yeah. uh, sorry go ahead I, I'll, I'll... so so making that connection um or not making that connection but making it heard and known um is a very brave thing for you and i just want to say you know to anybody out there who's fearful of that you know it's it's not like it's going to be that way for everybody um but the major value that colton is also expressing um here is that He's telling himself that I have these core values. I have this, you know, this goal to love on the people that I love. And I'm going to extend that to them because that's living up to what I believe in myself for this relationship. And that's bravery because you could have gotten somebody who's like, you know, you say, I love you. And then your dad's like, all right, I got to go by, you know, and, and then hang up the phone because he's just terrified at that moment. Even though maybe, you know, he's like, oh, my God, he finally said it. Thank God. <laughs> um, but you you took that step. You took that leap of faith. And a lot of people are just hindered by the fear in that. And then they don't take that leap of faith. And they're not living out who they want so desperately to be and who they want somebody else to see them as. So when you do take that leap of faith, you are being yourself. You are being that courageous person who desires that relationship. And you might not get it exactly from this person or that person in the way that you had, you know, maybe hoped for. But then if you look back on yourself and you tell a story about yourself, like, what is it that I'm doing? Well, I'm doing something. I'm living out my truth. I believe in that truth. It's very kind to myself to do that. And it is incredibly helpful for me to move forward. Just like the questions I mentioned earlier, you practiced all that and you executed. And my goodness, did you break some amazing bread there too? 
you know, I'm still, I still haven't gotten the, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you yet. Uh, but you know, again, re repetition, 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 buddy and patience, you know, and, and, um, I would say it to my dad, you know, while he was here I, out of the blue or when we would hug or he's going back to his hotel, say, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud you're my dad. And when I would, my dad would kind of chuckle awkwardly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, even my wife caught on. She she came to me after the third day and she goes, why do you keep telling your dad you're proud of him? It's kind of weird. Like usually you don't hear the child say it to the parent. You keep saying it, you know? So I kind of explained my, my reasoning behind it and what we just talked about here. And, you know, so even though it may... Uh, feel a little uncomfortable in the beginning here you know i'm still sticking to it and and maybe that's how like we we make this a normal thing this is how we normalize it right is it's awkward the first time i say to him, he laughs and oh that's weird why did my son say that to me i'm supposed to say it to him you know but maybe if i do it enough and it becomes normal he'll go oh yeah God. he's man he's just always so proud of me he always says he's so proud of me i'm so proud of that you know, and I, I, I do believe that we'll get there, but sometimes it, it takes uh, it takes that repetition, JJ, in order for it to become a new story, you know, in order for exactly. a new chapter to begin, because it, we're so instantaneous gratification, JJ. We want change so quickly. We want to stop a bad habit. We want to change something we don't like. We want, we want, we want, and we want it now, but we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable doing the repetition to change and mm. oftentimes we just want the change without the repetition of the work man and ugh, we got to get over that you know yeah some people could say you know they could they could use this approach fake it till you make it <laughs> i don't believe that that's what uh what we're referring to here i think what we're referring to here is just like the idea of i have a passion i have a drive i have desire for connection and here are the things that I know to be true about that connection. I believe in those things and I'm going to express those things. And I'm going to further educate myself in those areas to make that enhanced greater, greater part of, uh, of the journey through it to also, you know, convince the parties who are or convince or at least share with the parties who are also invested in this, that this is a truth that I'm expressing. And the more I express this and show, you know, the, my proof of it, or at least my understanding of it, um, if it's kind and, and uh, helpful to the situation, that's something that's going to be convincing to them. You're not arguing your case as much as you are expressing your, your value and your truth in this relationship. And that's something that's really hard to, you know, completely deny and reject. Um, so, you know, uh, with the parents thing and the proud, I think it is very common for, you know, the story we've been told ourselves is, you know, based on tradition, I need to have this box and this, this box and this box checked needs to be a full list full of checked items. And then, yeah. then, Oh, pops out the proud statement, but Oh wait, it's actually, you know, and, and not to come down on our, you know, on me again. I'm here. I'll keep okay. recording it. <laughs> um, yeah, internet. Someday, someday, who knows what it'll look like. But internet is a thing that we have to uh, fluctuate with. But, um, you know, once we get through those checkboxes, uh, a previous generation could say, hey, based on tradition, um, I can't really say this unless all these boxes are checked. I've been told this story for so long, you know, 
we got to have the picket fence, the white picket fence in the house with the, you know, five bedrooms and 400 bathrooms in order to, you know, uh, get this fully checked. Oh, shoot. No, I forgot. We also need to have a dog. It's not checked. I can't say I'm proud of my life yet because I haven't checked off all those boxes. And then dare I suggest sometimes our parents feel the shame because they they're like, I, I am proud, but what about this stuff? What about this stuff? Damn it, I'm disappointed in myself for for just kind of withholding. And then when you took that extension um, and, and you know, actually extended, I should say, extended that to your father because you realized, like, here are my requirements, connection and love. I'm proud because we have that. Dad, you didn't you didn't achieve this. You didn't achieve that. I don't give a damn. I'm proud of you. This is who I am. I'm a, I'm I'm a person full of love. I'm proud of that. You helped me get there. I'm proud of you. Like that, that is the power of the generation that we are creating in ourselves and our children. And like you said, go in the other direction. Like, hey, you can still be proud at 99. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just, uh, I, we often, t oh man, I had a thought, JJ, and then it just poof. ADH dead. Part in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I got it. So, you know, I, I think the older that we get, the more boxes we want checked, right? Because like, since we're very young, man, a little baby, we just start gathering these experiences to what we like and what we don't like to start, you know, compiling these judgments and preconceived, uh, you know, experiences on everything that we go forward from there. Well, I didn't like that. I'm not touching the stove again. That burnt me. I'm not touching that. So, you know, oh, I like chocolate. Well, let's get some more sweets. What can I do to get more sweets? You know, we just constantly, I like, don't like, compartmentalize, like, don't like, like, don't like, stay away from, get more of, you know, and we just go on our lives. And the older that we get, again, more of those boxes, we, we start detailing it. We start compartmentalizing it. We start subcategorizing it. Well, I didn't like this about this, but I did like that about this. Okay, in order for me to do this, I have to have this, but not this. Mm. You know, and we just start, mm. man, niching it so much to a point that it, it becomes unmanageable because there's so many boxes mm. that we need to check before we allow ourselves to experience something, you know? Yeah. And how do we how do we stop the buck and say, well, okay, my past experiences hurt me there. I had a negative, negative connotation with that experience. But how do I let that go and start fresh now with yeah. an open mind and curiosity and willingness? Mm. Let's go back to that story. Are we tell ourselves and what shapes us? It's not just simply being alone and isolated. It's it's allowing for the stories that we collect from the connections we have to create a, a greater story for our future. And I don't have the science to back this up right now, but we can certainly add it to the show notes that I, I know that the majority of research, when people are asked the question of happiness, they are most often happy when they have relationships and love and connections. And that, that favors over wealth and possessions. Now, granted, I'll tell you, you know, there's some fears I have about the future because I live in a place that costs a lot of money and I'm not, I'm not putting away as much as I'd like. I do have some fears for that, but I have stated earlier in this episode and in the last week that I'm at a 10 with my happiness because I have a, of a boy who is, you know, uh, somebody I care for deeply. I care deeply for his mom, my co-parent, 
and I constantly fertilize the relationships, the soil to continue to make some great growth from that garden that we are producing of life. And it's a remarkable thing. And, and would I ever trade that for, you know, winning a, a few million dollars? No. So that connection piece that you talked about, um, it's, it's backed by science, man. There might be some people who are all about possessions and wealth, and they think that's the, the path to happiness. But then, of course, we also hear about, oh, well, I, I earned everything. I got all this all this money and wealth, and I'm dead inside. So, you know, the, the thing to keep in mind is, you know, we, we continue to use our stories to develop that greater connection with other people and their stories to create the best story. Yeah, man. My idea of perfectionism isn't that this isn't hard. It's that we have everything that we need to get through this. We just need to figure out how to use the tools in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, brother. That is, that is, that is the, the main message of this story we tell ourselves that I, I, I really um, want to just hammer home is that uh, when we create those connections and we foster, you know, deep, deep seated connections with our, with our loved ones, um, that story has so much more strength. And we honestly, uh, in terms of wealth, I'll just say emotional wealth and health is, is what really helps us get through and, uh, and gives us the greater joy in life. And, uh, that's the type of story I appreciate and, and want. I'm a rich man, JJ, just not in money or time. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a topic for another day but uh yeah i mean the reason why we're here is because we want we want to continue making that story you know uh just uh something special and to celebrate and i think we do a pretty good job of that knowing that we have adversity we have neurodivergence we have we have so many opportunities to uh to really take a superpower and make it explode in a good way explode <laughs> Well, awesome stuff, man. Thanks for talking with us. And maybe we should hit the uh, stop record button before our internet goes out again. And we have, <laughs> we have three 15 minute episodes rather than one long one. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds good. You know, I, 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 the story I'm telling myself with that is, you know what? It's out of my control. I can't do anything about it, but that's okay. We still, we're still breaking bread. <laughs> Well, all right, brother. Thanks for the great talk. And thank you listeners for tuning in. I hope that the story that you're telling yourself is one of love, curiosity, respect, and accountability, man, because no one is responsible for your story other than you. So please take that with you and uh, own up to it, man. And call us if you need a different narrative, brother, because uh, we can we can set you up with a beautiful one because you are a beautiful person and you do have a lot of strengths and a lot of tools that you need to get you through the hardship. So start start telling yourself that life is perfect, man, because it is. All right. So thanks. And I'll tune in next week. Uh, I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And we'll see you next time. This has been the ADH Dads.